Okay. And we'll go from there, okay? Yes. Hello, everyone. This is Gruesome Herzog's Horror Movie Review. My guest tonight is Bo Buckley. How you doing, Bo? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, I just want to say again, thank you for the fun time at Horrifying on Saturday. And it was one hell of a flick, Death of the Dead. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming out to uh, to support the movie and check it out. We really appreciate it. And thanks for doing all the interviews with all of the uh, cast and crew of Dismal and Savage and the other movies that I've been involved with. Uh, it's been great. I'm checking out the site and I'm going through it. Really, I didn't realize that you know you had uh, interviewed Will Triplett and I know you did Jack a couple times and Bill Oberst and I know you've got plans for interviewing Justin and it's like wow. Eventually, you know, we'll get down to. The costumer might get an interview. It's great. <laughs> well, see, um, little, yeah, I was talking to Jack quite a few times, and he, and he was giving me some tips, which he's an intelligent man, and I really, I really like Jack a lot. And he mm-hmm. says, Scott, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but what you can also do is, you know, how many people actually interview uh, people who are in charge of cinematography or the music mm-hmm. or the music, you know? Right. So we'll see. That's good. You know, it's a, it's a different take than most. You're right. Most people do not get to hear uh, those people's ideas and thoughts on the movie making process and their involvement in the movie making process. And um, you know, it's a different uh, different bit of information for people rather than the, the typical director star uh, you know interviews that most people get to hear. Do you want to mention to the people listening about the release date for um, Death of the Dead? Is there a, is there, a, I mean, I, mean I, sh- I should say, is there, I mean, how about to go get it, I mean? Uh, well, right now you can, you can pick up a DVD. It hasn't been officially released in terms of, you know, being able to pick it up at a, a Blockbuster or Netflix or seeing it on, on Showtime or some other, uh, type of media. But we do have DVD copies available, um, which we were selling at Horrifying right after the premiere, which is the first time we ever screened it in front of an audience. Um, and so that's only a week old, and now the DVDs are, are available. If you go to our Facebook uh, fan page for Strange Stuff, which is at facebook.com slash strange stuff, uh, you can click on the Shop Now tab, and you can buy your own copy of the uh, DVD, which is great. It's got the feature-length movie. Uh, it's got an audio commentary from the director, Gary King, and the star, Christina Rose, uh, which is very funny. I was listening to it the other day for the first time, and... They have their own little drinking game going on while they're doing the commentary, and they uh, encourage the people listening to to participate. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. The whole movie is a lot of fun, and that was the intention going into it. So um, it's much different from movies that we've done before, like Dismal and Savage. This is complete 180, with most of it being very funny and over the top and silly, as opposed to being sort of your straight horror. And uh, we've actually had a really good reception. People have really, really enjoyed it, and um, even you know, straight horror fans have actually enjoyed it. So, um, I think most people will, and just pick up a copy and check it out, and hopefully, they'll uh, your listeners will enjoy it too. I hope so. Uh, but see, you gotta understand something. I was distracted by Dismal, as you know, for the last three or four months. So I really, right. I really didn't read about Death of the Dead. So basically, I went into that movie on Saturday, had no idea, you know, what I'm going to be seeing, and. My father-in-law was sitting beside me, and my son was the other side, and my father-in-law starts chuckling. I said, look, if he thinks his comedy's funny, then it's funny, because my dad, my father-in-law doesn't laugh that quick at something, but he, right. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, after watching it, you know, 
I'm going to say one scene. I'm not going to say too much about it, but but the one scene that I thought was so funny about it is if you remember, the sensei was trying to teach her how to do the martial arts part, and mm-hmm. if, you, you know I'm getting that right. And every sure, time, yeah. every time he's doing the moves, and then somebody else is there. <laughs> that 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 scene was funny. That was that yeah, the oddball comedy. That, that is uh, part of what we went into doing these movies. See, Strange Stuff is a sort of a division of filmmakers that we developed um, with uh, Justin and uh, one of our other producing partners, Christopher Cook, um, who was not at Horrifying. But we we basically came up with uh, uh, Christopher came up with that idea of Strange Stuff, and we sort of molded that into what became the production company that would handle sort of these um, very silly, over-the-top, um, fun genre comedy movies. And um, that was what we intended to do. Is we, we knew that the budgets were going to be low. We knew that we were going to have some shortcomings and, and everything wasn't going to be as perfect uh, for us making those kinds of movies. So what we did is we, we allowed ourselves to laugh with the audience while we were making it. And that was part of the scene that you're referring to, um, the sensei. It's kind of a, the movie is kind of a mix between uh, the Karate Kid meet like Night of the Living Dead or 28 Days Later, something like that. And uh, the idea is that the this Mr. Miyagi-type character, uh, this old aging karate instructor, is teaching his lone student how to do these really cool karate moves. And he demonstrates for her uh, in their dojo, and he does these flips off the wall and does these crazy, like, dance moves where he's doing backspins and stuff, but the way we shot and the way that was written in the script was, we're going to add in the double, and we're going to make it so obvious that you can tell it's a double that that's the joke, you know, where most movies, the stunt double comes in and you don't know it's a stunt double. That's the point that they're trying to do. But we really wanted to point out that we were using a stunt double in it. So (laughs) when this guy is, you know, this aging instructor runs and flips off the wall, it's obviously a young 20-something kid in a very, very bad way. And then when he goes into, does the the dance moves, it's a, uh, it's a a black guy who's dancing, and he's also in the same wig, so you can, I mean, obviously tell that they're complete different people, but we cut it in between, so it looks like it's the karate instructor, played by Jack Abley, uh, doing all of the moves, and and so that's kind of the joke. And there's other jokes in there where we kind of poke fun at ourselves. We have the boom operator fall into frame, and a couple of scenes, and uh, we have the actors looking at the camera just to, you know, uh, let the audience in on the joke. And, you know, there's a few moments like that where we we sort of tell the audience, hey, we know you're there, we know you're watching, and we're we're laughing right along with you. Well, at that point when, that you just talked about, that had me hooked right then and there. I mean, that that is... That's through pretty much everything that we could think of. You know, we wanted to... Uh, every page had several jokes on it, and hopefully we were, we were hoping that most of them would stick. Um... And if they didn't, maybe it would go by so fast that perhaps the next one would come along and they would uh, be laughing at that. But um, you know, we some of the what we found was that some people were laughing at the joke before even the punchline, and it, the audience didn't hear the punchline because they were laughing over. So if that happens, then perhaps people will enjoy the movie two and three times, watching it and, and learning something else or hearing a new joke because they were laughing at the previous joke and missed the second one or the third one. And, so maybe they can get some enjoyment out of it watching it two or three times. and yeah. um, I think it's an entertaining, an entertaining movie. It, it has a naked gun feel, too. Yeah. All of those types of movies, those uh, 
um, you know, Naked Gun, Airplane, um, even movies like Scary Movie, uh, things like that where we were poking fun at other types of movies, poking fun at ourselves as filmmakers. We were inspired by all of that when we went into making these. Even to go into, like, knowing that we're doing low-budget stuff, doing, um, you know, trauma-type stuff where you know, or full moon, where you're really, really low-budget and you're sort of, um, you're just kind of feeding off of that. You're not trying to be so serious that, hey, we're going to make a really scary horror film or, hey, we're going to make, you know, the next greatest zombie film. We realize that it's going to be really tough for us with this kind of budget to do something like that. So let's just make them fun. Let's make them really entertaining. And, you know, if uh, you can see the the camera operator's shadow in one of the scenes or, you know, if you... (laughs) If you freeze frame during the uh, during the bus crash scene, there's moments where you can actually see the crew on the outside pushing the bus and trying to rock it. I mean, you know, and it goes by so fast, most people don't notice that. But those are the little things there that, in a in some of the bigger budgeting movies that we've done, wouldn't fly. And we, if we did those types of things, it would just like there's no way this is going to happen, and we'd have to shut down. We'd have to try to figure out a new way to shoot it. We'd have to relight everything. And when we shot Death of the Dead, it was like, you know what, the hell with it, just go with it. I mean, this looks good. No, if, if anybody's paying attention to that shadow that just fell across her and saying, that must be from the camera guy, then, you know, we're, they're obviously not entertained by the movie at all. Right. So, right. Well, we had a little bit of, um, you know, I mean, Justin and myself and, and many of the people that were involved in it, Gary King and, and uh, some others, we had a lot of experience as filmmakers. It was sort of like we just went out and made a comedy, which... I know a lot of people do, a lot of young filmmakers do. Um, they go off and they say, well, uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about building up tension and suspense and drama and everything else, so I'm just going to make them funny. I'm just going to bun- put a bunch of laughs in it and, and my buddies and we'll just joke and we'll make a movie. And and so they do. And uh, I think the, the thing between, that, that was sets us apart from other young filmmakers is that Justin and Gary and myself and, and some of the other people involved had a lot of experience making all different kinds of movies. We've made horror movies, we've worked on westerns, we've worked on dramas, we've worked on comedies, teen dramas, we've worked on the gamut of types of shows. And so we've been involved in all kinds of different productions and we know how to make things go smoother, how to make things run faster. Um, We have an idea of what things work, what things don't work. We've been around a lot of talented crew members that we knew that we could pull from to uh, you know, to ask a favor from to, to do a, a small show, and we actually had a, a lot more available to us than I'd say a lot of newer filmmakers. So, to some degree, it's kind of like people with a little bit of experience making a first-time film, but um, because that's kind of where the budget range was, we just we didn't have any money. We're like, what are we going to do? And but we actually had a little bit of you know, quite a bit of experience making it, and I think that's why it turned out so well because we kind of knew. Uh, how to make a movie, and we've done it so long that we kind of we didn't fall into the pitfalls of uh, a lot of first-time filmmakers of, of of making movies. Like, oh man, if I'd only known that sound was really important, you know, or something like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it turned out really well, and we're very proud of it. Well, the ending—I'm <laughs> not going to say anything, but um, the ending was good too. I mean, how many? Take a bit careful how he says. I don't want to give it away. But how many zombie movies ends like that? I mean, I know it's a comedy, but that's clever too. 
well, which which ending are your first? Because there's sort of the ending of the movie, and then there's the uh, the ending with Gary King and and the whole group at well, the very very end. That's yeah. Uh, pardon me. The, the very very end. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, that that ending was uh, something that Gary had. Done. In fact, I wasn't even uh, I wasn't even there for it. I wasn't even privy to it uh, when Gary shot it. We had shot it a couple of different. Well, he shot it a couple of different ways. Uh, the way it originally was in the script, which is um, Wanda, our, our main character, she finds herself a new apprentice, and uh, she's basically trying to figure out if this new apprentice is going to be the next person to inherit the magic belt, right. uh, much like she did earlier in the film. And once you see the film, you understand. But um, So in the script, it calls for her to do something very ridiculous to her, um, and she you know, says, Pulled the, you know, snatched the pebble from my hand, and she snatches the pebble and realizes she had a, a handful of poo in her hand, and and, uh, and that was sort of the joke. It's like, okay, now you've you know you've done that, so now you're worthless, and, and so you're gonna get the belt. But Gary had an idea, and I'm not even sure when Gary got this idea, but basically it involved himself and the entire crew, and it was again one of those self-reflexive moments where we're letting the audience know that, hey, we're filmmakers behind this, and the camera pulls back, and you see the entire world of the filmmaking process. Yeah. And, um, and it was really extremely well done, given that the only two people in the scene that were actually actors were the two actors at the very beginning of that part of the scene. And then when it pulls back, I mean, you see you've got Grip standing there, you've got the, the DP, the real DP was there, you've got... Um, our art department, uh, art director was actually playing uh, hair and makeup, so she jumps in the frame. Uh, you know, our assistant director's there; he's got a few lines, and um, you know. And then, of course, Gary comes in, and, and he's talking with the cast members. It's, it's very well done. It was incredibly choreographed, given that it was done on the fly. And I mean, it really when he showed it to me for the first time, and, and that was the rough cut. Uh, he says, here, this is something that we did. I'm not sure if you'll like it, but, uh, you know, I just want you to check it out. And I saw it, and I was like, this has got to be the most brilliant ending of a movie ever. It's it just is. fantastic. And there's it no is. way that I would cut that. There's no way you can cut that, nope. you know. Even as a writer who you always look and say, gosh, you know, I, everything I wrote on the, pa the page has to be, uh, you know, movie gold. And I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to shoot it exactly as it's written on the page. You know, many times we do that. Um, I know I do it myself, and and um, you know you always want to see your words come out on the screen. But then, you know, every once in a while, there's changes. Either an actor will change up a line, or the director will change up the scene here or there, or the DP will shoot it a little differently than you thought in your head. And it's like, wow, that was way better than I ever thought. And those are the kind of things when you're making a movie that you live for is, is the magic that happens while you're making the movie because the, the production of a movie is much, much shorter uh, than the entire scope of making a movie. We started this Death of the Dead. We began shooting it back in November of uh, 2009 and it's just now being released here almost a year later. And before that, I mean, months went into the writing process and pre-production, so... Uh, we only really shot for two weeks, and, and you know, in that two weeks of production, you, you look for little gems that are going to make the movie special, and that was one of them. Yeah, and Christina Rose is a special person too. I met her, as you know, I met her. She's a right. sweet, she's a sweet girl. 
she is a, a very talented actress, and she brought so much life to that character, more than we could have expected. Again, when we went in to make this, um, our expectation levels were very, very low, which, um, you know, I don't want anybody to, you know, that was involved in the movie to take offense to that. We, we just realized that we didn't have a lot of money. We're like, okay, we're probably not going to get great acting. We're probably not going to get great cinematography. We're probably going to have the greatest costumes or uh, the greatest props or the greatest locations because we just don't have any money for anything. Um, the only thing we could really hope for is maybe having a decent meal on set. Uh, but outside of that, it was like, mm, I don't even know what we're going to get here. And we auditioned a few actresses for the role, and uh, she did a, a, a video audition for us, and actually, you know, was actually doing the moves, and she had actually added a few of her special moves for that character, what she thought she would, uh, that character would do in terms of splits, and um, kind of dressed the part a little bit, and, and gave us an idea of what we could expect if we cast her. And um, it was really a tough decision because there were some other gr girls that had auditioned that were uh, very talented as well. And um, at the end of the day, we kind of sat down and went, mm, maybe we should just, maybe we should offer this role to Christina and just cross our fingers. Because at the time, nobody knew. You know, we didn't know who she was. And we were not sure, you know, what, can she do it? Is she going to be, you know, is, she, is this going to be a mess? What's going to happen? But again, we were just like, let's just hope we get something halfway decent out of it. And she got there and really turned the two different characters, the nerdy Wanda and, you know, the badass Wanda, were very distinct characters, and she played them very, very different. And um, I, I think her nonverbal reactions are probably <laughs> yeah. the most, um, you know, where the, the most talent comes through in her because it's not the things that she says and does, it's like the things that she doesn't say and just the little looks and stuff that really make her performance very special, at least for me, yeah. and I don't know what the audience thinks, but that's, you know, that I, to me is the distinction between uh, a very um, novice actor and someone who I would consider a professional, yeah. and I think she's a professional. Yes, yeah, I agree, because she played two po two parts, and she did them both good, but the, the nerdy part that she played, she played it so well, I mean, I can't say any more, but there's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of things that was done in that movie that was she just she done it very well, very well. She was very well. She's you know she has a background in dancing, and so she's I, I think picking up the martial arts part of it was easier for her. Which that when we were casting that was part of the requirement. We wanted somebody who had uh, a background in martial arts. One girl that we auditioned had a, a stunt background, and she was very good at martial arts, and and. Um, she had a dance background, so she, you know, we felt comfortable that she was flexible enough and and um, could pick up, you know, the martial arts part of it as if she was choreographing a dance routine. And so that was why we, you know, we felt comfortable with her uh, in the role. But she did a fantastic job, and, and a lot of the stuff that she brought to the table were, you know, things that were not on the page of the script, the things that she added. There's like kicks, there's like a kick that happens in the movie. There's a, uh, she's, there's a couple of kicks. One, uh, she jumps up and she does a double leg kick on two of the zombies, which is really cool, and I think you can see that in the trailer. Uh, and then there's another kick, which happens really fast on camera, um, that you almost miss, is where she's kicking from, she's facing the, the zombie, but she kicks behind her, her leg goes up behind her back, completely over her head, and kicks the zombie. 
And there's another one that she does where um, she's standing again face-to-face with a zombie. She does a backflip, kicks the zombie under the chin, and then does a, uh, a backflip over, and her legs slam down on the top of the head of another zombie who's behind her. So a lot of these different moves were things that she had brought to the table, which were you know not scripted. It was like, I think I can do this, or I can do this, and Carrie's like, that's pretty cool, let's do it. Yeah, she did a mar- remarkable job. Yeah. And a couple of the other girls that was in the movie that didn't like her. There's, right. There's some pretty, well, there's a gross scene. And I ain't talking zombie or blood either, but I'm not going <laughs> to mention that. But I'll let, I'll let the people watch it, and, and they're going to laugh their asses off when they when they see it. Yeah. Now you're, I mean, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. The, the movie, I mean, yeah, you have to just to kind of give people an idea of what it is. Again, it's an over the, very over-the-top slapstick silly comedy Um there's, you know, if you're not comfortable with uh, fart jokes and dick jokes and things like that, you, this probably isn't the movie for you. But if those, if movies like Airplane and um, uh, Scary Movie and you know Naked Gun, if movies like that are you find funny, then you'll find this funny too. Yep. Um, the other character, I'm trying to remember her name now. I am bad in names lately. Uh, the one that that helps her at the end of the movie. Yeah, that was the well. Her character name was she never really calls her by a name. She oh, just calls her freshman. freshman. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so she's that's the character's name in there. Yeah. We we've done that a few on a few movies where we don't ever give the character name. Like in in um, Dismal, you know, the the character's name for the big bad guy was idiot. It, just because everybody calls him you know an idiot throughout the movie, and that was his name, idiot. Mm-hmm. So every time we referred to him, he was idiot. And in this movie. Um, she's just a freshman. They just keep referring to her as, you know, freshman or the freshman or whatever. So that was her name. She's cool. She's cool in that movie. And there's names like, yeah, there's names like uh, Master Sensei and Evil Sensei and Ghetto Sensei. I mean, there's all all these very fun names in the movie that uh, refer to the characters. But she did a fantastic job. Megan did a fantastic job as a freshman. Yes, I liked her a lot. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to her a couple of days ago on Facebook, uh, back and forth a little bit. She seems pretty. She's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And um, I, that's the first time I ever worked with her. I, I knew of her from uh, a Central Ohio local film scene, and she was in a movie that um, went and played at uh, Sundance. And that was like the first time I really kind of caught. She kind of caught my eye in terms of having someone in. Central Ohio being part of something uh, bigger, you know, a bigger movie that I played, and I was like, wow, this girl's, you know, this girl's got talent, and I saw a couple of other shorts that she had done, and when the uh, the role of the freshman came up, I, you know, I just contacted her, I said, hey, I've got a role that you might be interested in, and her appearance had changed over the years since when I first saw her uh, in the movie Speak, which went and played at Sundance, but um, it, it fit, you know, she was kind of... Um, She's kind of gotten to like sort of a uh, the, the band sort of image with colored hair and piercings and tattoos and things like that. But it kind of fit with the character being a little bit of an outcast and being picked on by sort of the cool popular girls that were the cheerleaders. And and so it, you know it, we weren't put off by that, even though she told me, "Hey, I look a little different than when you first saw me." I was like, "Ah, that's okay." Right, Megan Pillar. Yep. Yep. Now Michael Blostein. Now he played a good role in that movie too. 
Yeah, Michael actually will be in... Michael did such a great job, and he was so funny that we uh, we cast him in uh, a movie that we have already produced. It's now in a post-production called Attack of the Alien Jelly Monsters from the Depths of Uranus, where he played a space cop, a space pilot. Um, but he did such a great job for us uh, in that role of Donnie. He was the the arch enemy of the nerdy Wanda. He's part of, he's like the leader of the cool kids, and, and that role basically came out of the Johnny character who was in the Karate Kid, and that same type of character. He's uh, the most popular kid, he's got the, you know, all the cool girl, or he's got the cool girlfriend, um, he's the champion of the karate tournament, and uh, Wanda, Wanda is his uh, nemesis, so to speak. Even though she's she can't fight to save her, save her life, and uh, you know no one likes her, and it's uh, a little bit different play on it. But uh, yeah, that that was very very fun, um, and having him on set was was a lot of fun. He brought a lot to it as well. I mean, little little nuances to the character that I don't you know people. It's not really pointed out, but it's there. It's like all these different layers. If you watch him in the tournament, he's got one pants leg rolled up as if, like, some sort of cool style that he did, you know, and um, he decided he wanted to part his hair in the middle and pull it down because that was, um, it made him look, like, not cool, but he was trying to be cool, so it was a, another little level that he had <laughs> added. He he did some things with um, the ad-lib and the karate dojo that were very funny when they all break to go and, and spar. He, he jumps up and goes, I'm Black Ranger, and then that was one of the little things that he added in was very very funny so it, it was having people like Michael and Christina and some of the other actors that were uh, involved in the movie they were not only allowed to bring those things to the table but they were encouraged to bring those things to the table and they were very very funny so people would just continually you know reinvent the character on a daily basis I think I you know this would be fun let me try this what do we do this and and it wasn't like just reading lines from the script and that was it. It was uh, much more than that. Well, the, there's one scene that's in the trailer, so I can I can mention it. Um, Sensei says to her, "Well, I got one more plan. I mean, I got one more thing." She says, "What's mm-hmm. that, Sensei?" Well, if you're gonna lose, if you think you're gonna lose, run like hell. Run like hell, right? <laughs> that was um, that scene was set up again with some references to the Karate Kid and if you watch the, the full scene of that outside the trailer um, she tries to do the the demonstration that he just did the, the, the fancy routine and jumping off mm-hmm. flipping off the walls and, and she messes up miserably and so she says you know Master isn't there like one special move that I can use because if you remember in the Karate Kid when he was just about down and out he pulled out the crane move and he went to the tournament so she says isn't there one move that I can do that will defeat my you know, my enemy, and she pulls up the crane stance, and right when he does it, the center, he goes, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> that would never work. And and uh, and then she, then you, you know, she's feeling very depressed that there's nothing she can do to ever win, and he goes, you know what, there is one move. And she comes and she's like, very attentive, and, and she's listening to him. He goes, right at the moment when, you know, all hope is lost, and, and you have nothing else to, to do, and she's like, yeah, and he goes, Run like hell, <laughs> so, uh, and that's exactly what she does in the service. She runs like hell. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. Did you want to uh, talk about the, the new one for next year? 
Uh, yeah, we can, we can certainly talk about the new one. Uh, we have a, an, another movie that we just shot. Something about the strange stuff has sort of uh, hit a, a nerve with us that we really enjoy the process of making them, and we feel like, especially now, uh, the fans have connected with it. And uh, we, we already plan to make a, a second movie after Death of the Dead, which we are doing a sci-fi comedy called Attack of the Alien Jelly Monsters from the Depths of Uranus. And um, it is kind of like a Star Trek meets the blob meets my name is Earl type of thing where these space um, space cops tra- uh, the, going after these jelly alien creatures. Uh, they track them through the you know through the galaxy and um, they jettison to Earth and they end up landing inside of a trailer park where they meet up with these sort of rednecky kind of characters who basically show them what life on Earth is like and it includes a lot of redneck you know typical or stereotypical redneck um, events mud bogging noodling which is catching catfish with your hands and um, Lots of drinking alcohol, going to the bar, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's, they, they kind of get a little bit of uh, intergalactic culture through these two redneck guys. And then it comes, they find out that the alien monsters have also jettisoned to Earth, and uh, they're going to basically take over the planet if they don't stop them. So then you have to come up with a, a plan, and they help, they get help from the, uh, the, the two rednecks that help them defeat the enemy. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. No, you won't know exactly which horror find it's going to be at, right? I mean, as far as Gettysburg or whatever, you won't know until later on? Uh, you know, the last three years that they've had horror find, they've had it in a different place. We had it at Hunt Valley. Um, they had one in Baltimore, I believe, and they had one at um, uh, the, the most recent one they had in Gettysburg. So um, all signs point that everybody really had a good time at Gettysburg, but then business is business and that's the way it's always been so depending on the relationship between uh, Horrified and the hotel will determine whether or not they go back there again this year or they go back to one of the ones they had before um, I really really enjoyed the Gettysburg one uh, the theater was just a little bit smaller but I think um, of the two or of the three premieres that we've done uh, I preferred either the first one which was at the uh, near the University of Maryland, I believe. And um, the other one was uh, this, this most recent one in, in Gettysburg, just because of the, the size of the screen rooms and the capacity and sort of the event itself. Uh, those were my favorite. So I have to go back, but wherever they go, we will follow because we love just we, we love all the fans. Everybody's been very supportive, so we'll, we'll head back there. And you also got to remember, too, the, I know it's a hassle when it's a small theater, but when it's a, a small theater like that, you can get more close relations with, with uh, the fans that's watching the movie as well. Right. And it does help to know that, you know, when the movie sells out and people have to get turned away, they're thinking, oh, my God, this must be a really good movie. And then it, it sort of builds the buzz about it a little bit. Um, but we do enjoy having you know, a really nice setting for the premiere. The first time we screen it, you know, it's great to have it in uh, you know a theater like we did at... Gettysburg as opposed to like you know a, a typical conference room type screen where you've got you know just a, a big screen and people sitting in fold up chairs and whatnot watching it's a much different experience uh, when you can actually go in theater and the movie was larger than life I mean it filled up the entire screen in that theater uh, it was 
it was amazingly huge and large and, and overwhelming when when you were watching it and the the sound was booing and everybody was into it it really was like a movie experience i mean you know you almost feel like wow this movie could probably play in a theater somewhere yeah. <laughs> you know no, so well, uh, we didn't like i said to you before we got what went on air we were there real early you know before lines even got there and we were talking to Christina Rose, and I got to meet you and Justin. Well, I met you and Justin earlier, but um, the people that work in the theater thought that I was part of the cast, so they sent me somewhere else. I said, no, we don't belong in here. And then they said, well, the line's back there. So lucky enough that we got in the first showing, because like you said, the place was packed. And I was, I'm was, i glad for, for, uh, for you guys for it being packed, because it, it was a big hit. The place was, you know... I'm, I'm so glad yeah. for you guys. Yeah, the the only thing that could have benefited us from that screening was actually if our if our booth was well, a couple things. If our booth was directly outside of the theater, which it was in in the for uh, the dismal premiere, our booth was literally set up outside the theater. So as soon as the movie screened, it was like we had a mad rush of people to the table who wanted autographs signed, wanted to buy you know or pick up posters or pictures or whatever and so I think we would have benefited from that sort of uh, setting or if the second screening wasn't immediately after because we did have like you know Gary and Christina wanted to see the second screening as well and see how that audience reacted to it and um, they weren't back at the booth so everybody cleared out the first screening went over to our booth wanting to see Gary wanting to see Christina and and everybody else and and of course they were still sitting there watching the movie again and uh, I also think the people who were in the first screening, I think there were uh, quite a few people who actually stayed for the second screening. They wanted to watch it again, so that's a good feeling, knowing that people yes. would watch a movie twice in a row like that. Um, you know, especially when you've only got a weekend to cover everything that you want to do at a convention, and you paid X number of dollars to, you know, see all of the vendors and buy all the stuff that you want, and see the other movies that were playing at the film festival, and uh, get autographs from all of the celebrities that were there, and and all of the things that were happening at the horrifying convention, to be able to want to sit through another hour and a half long movie, the same movie you just got done watching, I think speaks volumes for the the way it was received by the crowd there at horrifying that, that people would you know could watch this movie over and over again, even give up part of their weekend, you know, three hours of their weekend to sit there and watch it twice, as opposed to doing other things. So uh, it was good. It was really good. Well, other than um, talking to you guys up until the Horrifying weekend, you know, I went up to Horrifying to meet one actor and one actor only, and I was finally mm-hmm. able to meet the guy, and that would be uh, Bill Mosley. So I was mm-hmm. glad and happy that I got a chance to finally meet Bill Mosley, because I think he's yeah. a phenomenal actor as well. Yeah, you know, being in the business and having uh, worked, in, worked on several movies and, and met quite a few really cool people and having you know had people in that were in my movies in fact we, we premiered Savage last year which had uh, Marty Cove who ironically was in the Karate Kid yeah. um, <laughs> the original <laughs> one and um, we had uh, Lisa Wilcox who was in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 and uh, Tony Becker and some other uh, some other actors who have yeah. been around the business for a while um, you know they they were there last year when we premiered Savage but at the same time Margot Kidder was a special guest, and she was in my very first feature, which is Death Foretold, her and Tom Savini and some other people. So it was kind of interesting to see 
those, to see those people who are there as guests, you know, celebrity guests who I've worked with. So, um, you know, I'm not, I don't get starstruck by seeing actor, you know, actors, but I, you know, I had this conversation with my wife who is not really a horror buff and, and doesn't get into it, but she, uh, I asked her, I said, don't you, uh, don't you feel it's kind of cool to be just in the presence of people that you've either seen their movies or are fans of their movies or whatever? She's like, eh, you know, maybe if it was, you know, she's bigger into music, so if it was a music star, perhaps. But nice. um, I personally find that I'm not starstruck, but I do think it's kind of cool. We, you know, we rode the elevator, and George Romero and Adrian Barbeau and, and some other people were there, and Billy Worth was in the elevator with us several times. And it was it's just interesting to be next to those people when you watch their, their movies, right. when you're standing next to a Gary Busey and you're having a bit of a conversation with him or... Um, you know, having a drink at the bar with, uh, you know, Christy Swanson or some of these other people, it's just like, well, you know, I, I watched their movies, and when I was, you know, when I was growing up, I was watching their movies, and it's it's a little bit surreal knowing that I'm just kind of sitting here, and we're all normal people, and we're just kind of having a drink or having dinner or whatever, and I find that cooler than having them sign something for me, because that seems to me very impersonal, whereas a, a personal experience is actually being able to have a normal conversation, an everyday type of conversation, and I'm not, you know, I'm not having to pay them $20 to do it, so um, that, those are the special moments for me, and I, I'd much rather be on set with an actor uh, and be working with them in a professional relationship than to, you know, stand in line and, and try to get them to sign a DVD for me, but I understand why people do it, because most people don't have that opportunity, but uh, at the same time, for me, it's it's much cooler just to be there, and I always think of it in terms of, like, I wonder if that person would actually work in a movie that I make. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, yeah, yeah. are they desperate enough yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, my experience is, like I said, I'm not starstruck either. Um, like I said, my main purpose to go there is to see you guys, of course, priority number one. But then I wanted to meet Bill Mosley. But I'm going to tell you a quick story before I let you go. My father-in-law never was at a horror fest or a horror find or anything before. And, uh, you know, and my mother-in-law passed away in December, so it's still a little raw to him yet. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take him along up with me. And we walked up to William Forsythe's table. <laughs> you got to hear this. Everybody has to hear this. My father-in-law says to him, why would you kill them girls for? And William looked at him like, what? And, and my father-in-law pointed at the devil's reject pic at the picture, right? He goes, oh. Right. He goes, those bitches deserved He goes, Th those bitches deserved it. They're serial killers. And those two had the most most coolest conversation back and forth for a longest while. It was so neat. My yeah. father had a ball with that. So. Yeah, that again, that goes back to what I was saying with just having those little personal moments with people where you're having it. It seems once you actually get to meet them, uh, most times those people are very down to earth and really have interesting conversations now. I mean, working with people like Marty Cove and, and uh, Margot Kidder and Tom Sweeney stuff. I mean, I've had dinner with these people. I've, we've hung out, and um, you, you know, you get to hear a lot more than just the you know their character in the movie. Uh, you get really get to hear, you hear a little bit more about them, and uh, and that's the interesting part is like their lives. You know, I mean, uh, calling Margot when she's uh, you know watching the grandkids in her uh, in her place in Montana, or you know talking to Tom Savini like you know what do you what are you doing to, you know, stay in shape? I mean, he's over 60 years old now, and he 
he looks phenomenal, and he, he tells me his whole diet and how he drinks a gallon of water a day, and he does this and does that. And I mean, it's just interesting to have those types of conversations rather than saying, when you were playing um, Sex Machine in, uh, you know, it's like those kinds of things don't, right. uh, you know, they don't really mean as much for me, but knowing that they're just real people that have, you know, an interest in having conversations just like everybody else, and, um, and, and quite frankly, they do enough of these conventions, they probably get tired of talking about the characters all the time, you know, they just, they just want to talk to somebody and just say, you know, I'm just a regular guy, I like to, you know, I still peel the crust off my bread, or whatever they do. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, because I started this podcast, it's going to be about a month soon. You know, I've had, I've talked to a lot of celebrities on the phone, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the personal, con- it's a personal lingo. You know, I had some cool, cool conversations with, you know, Jack Harrison. I had some co- right. Bill Obers Jr., um, mm-hmm. a couple directors, you know. You know, it, it's this, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's different, like you said. So we had a personal one-on-one conversation that's so neat. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's what's cool about your show is that you know you're not. It, it's more about having those kinds of conversations and what you thought about it, rather than getting into all of the um, the nuances of filmmaking and tell us what the budget was and tell us what the, you know. It's it's more of like you know I really thought this was really cool and then that conversation can expand from there. Like oh yeah, we really enjoyed this and we really like the people and we. You know, it's it's a lot more casual, I think, which is cool. Uh, that's the kind of interviews that I like. I'm, you know, most of the times when I do these, I ask people I'm like, "Well, send me your questions so that because I know you're going to ask me like a you know one particular story. It's like, what was the funniest thing that happened on the set? It's like, oh man, you asked me too quick. I don't have a really clever answer for you. So, but your show is very casual, and I don't feel uh, like I have to be clever and I have to have the you know the greatest little story told, and you can just kind of talk, and it's uh, it's cool. It's cool to hear, you know, have other people be able to hear that. And I'm even listening to interviews with Jack and Bill and and Will Tripp recently. Uh, I, I was just like, oh, there's two guys on the phone talking, you know. <laughs> that's see, that's my whole, that's my mumbo. I don't, you know, I don't go with these fancy questions. You know, how many times? You know, I it's just basically it's a phone conversation, and that's. I'm different than a lot of podcasters. I don't, I don't do these one-hour shows. I do my movie review, Doom Done, and if I get a chance for an interview, if someone wants me to interview them, they want to come on, fine, let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm game. That's, right. That's my game. Right. All right, Bo. Well, that's good. I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully I'll get the chance to see you again. So. Absolutely. We'll be there next year at Horrifying, premiering another movie, and hopefully you'll come and check us out. And uh, I appreciate all the, the work that you've done to promote Dismal and Savage and now Death of the Dead. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, your listeners are, are as loyal as our fans have been. And we'll uh, go out there and check it out if you've got Showtime. You know, Dismal is premiering this month on Showtime. Uh, it's been running since the 2nd. I think the next showing is um, on the 11th. And um, you might have to TO it because they, they tend to come on pretty late. Um, but also, Savage should be coming out very soon. Dismal comes out on DVD on the 7th of December. Uh, you can pre order on Amazon.com. And uh, Death of the Dead hopefully will be, who knows? If it's a huge hit, it could be everywhere. And, or you can still pick up uh, a copy of the DVD on the uh, 
Strange Stuff uh, Facebook fan page, and you know it helps. It helps us, you know, continue to make movies like this. So that's what we want to do. And the listeners uh, can go on to uh, FearMakers.com. They can go in there and check out a bunch of information. That's where I got my info from. Please yep. check it out. It's well informative. And Bo, thanks, thanks again for having this chat. And I'll catch you on the Facebook. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Yeah, take care, Bo. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye.